Good morning. Well, as uh, the junior church marches out today, are they marching out today? I want to say I'm so glad that we have such strong students. Look at them just for a second. Look at their faces, pray for them, and I just want to say that they are mighty warriors for God. Mighty warriors for God. Mighty and strong. Overlook them at your overlook them at your own peril. But many of these students that just walked out of here know their Savior Jesus Christ and are filled with the Holy Spirit. If you've heard me say it once, you've probably heard me say it a dozen times. But one of my absolute favorite prayers in the Bible is written in the Psalms in one of David's Psalms. Uh, the psalmist David, his prayer asking God to look inside. Don't look at the outside, and God demonstrated very, very clearly in David's life all the time that he wasn't looking at the outside, but he was instead looking at was on, on the inside. And sometimes he was challenged in both directions. Challenged that while the outside circumstances looked so dark and, and, and disastrous, that God saw his heart was clean. And he knew that he was pure before the Lord. And so he asked God, Lord, all this stuff is happening to me. Examine my heart. See if I'm not clean. See if I'm not pure before you. See if I'm not a man chasing you down. And then sometimes the other way, where the outside might look pretty clean, but it takes a prophet to come and point out to him that he's got sin in his heart. So David's prayer in Psalm 139, and by the way, our girl guards, our, our mighty girl guards, were studying this last Tuesday. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. I love it. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. I love about it. What I love about it is that David doesn't ask God to see if the outside's clean. He asks for an examination of his heart. What he's passionate about what he loves, who he follows. And he asked God to be completely honest in any feedback, in the results. David wants the results straight. Shoot it to me straight, God. Am I following you? Am I doing this right, God? Because he wants to be pure. He wants to be mighty. And with prayers like this, he earns the nickname of a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. David's nickname. We're not supposed to envy anything, but I envy that nickname. A man after God's own heart. When David, the mighty warrior, lays his shield and sword down and opens up his armor and becomes vulnerable before the living God, he is at his mightiest. He is at his strongest. When he lays down his shield, when he lays down his sword, when he takes off his armor and he kneels before the living God, he's at his strongest. Men and women, students today, I say this, we are at our mightiest 
when we are vulnerable before God. David, being completely vulnerable, overlook him at your peril. Enemies of Israel, overlook him if you want. But he knows the Lord. And Psalm 139 demonstrates an incredible power in being weak. Friends, today we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, continuing Paul's teaching about the Holy Spirit. Who is he? What difference does he make? How do we know if he's in our lives? What difference will it make? Paul demonstrates in his own very life some examples for us and shows us the answers to some of these questions. So let's look together. What difference does the Holy Spirit make in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, as you might guess, the first word as you read through 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is that the Holy Spirit fills you with His might. Strength. That didn't come out as strong as I wanted it to. I was a little crackle there. But might, strength, power. Powerful. Confident. The Holy Spirit in the life of a follower of Jesus Christ makes that believer mighty. Mighty before God. Strong before God. Because he's filled with the living God. Let's look at Paul's short testimony here. As you recall back to verse 26 and, and 20. 26 through 29 of the last chapter that we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, if you do, open those up to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 26 through 29. Paul says, not only me, but brothers, think about what you were before the Holy Spirit came into your life. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were of noble birth. Not many of you... Uh, were influential by human standards. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before Him. It is because of Him that you are in Christ Jesus. It's all because of him. The difference the Holy Spirit makes in our life is pretty drastic because it's not about us, it's about Him. He is mighty, and so if He's in us, we take on that same characteristic. We become mighty. Paul here says it in chapter 2. I may not have the best way of presenting, Paul says, with wise and eloquent words, but Paul says, rather in my weakness and trembling, the Holy Spirit fills my message with power. Not me, but Him. Paul is pointing to the living God. He makes all the difference. The Holy Spirit, His incredible might. Believers, if you're feeling weak, remember that the power of the living God lives in you. There's no reason to feel weak. His power is at work in your life. It's kind of like the old cartoon. At least it was old when I was young. So some of you may have no idea what I'm talking about. Like that cartoon, Popeye the Sailor Man. Anybody uh, unfamiliar with that? 
<laughs> Some kids are like, I've never heard of that. Uh, Popeye the Sailor Man, the skinniest little arms, him and olive oil and sweet pea, right? And there's the big bully Brutus that would always come along and punch up on, uh, on old Popeye, just brutalize him, beat him up, take olive oil, and he'd always have to rescue her. But right before he does, something drastically changes. When he rips off that can of spinach, gulps it down, and suddenly, he's got huge arms. Huge arms. Puny muscles suddenly hulk up, and he's suddenly the toughest guy in the room. No problem with Brutus. Well, the Holy Spirit can change things so suddenly. The Holy Spirit can turn the things of this world on its head when He demonstrates His might through a person like you or like me. Paul's example, to be humble when the Holy Spirit works in your life. Paul recognizes it's not Him, but it's the Holy Spirit at work through Him. Men, women, and children, listen up. Don't boast in anything, anything except Jesus Christ, the cross, the gospel. So Paul's example of humility lends itself to our second point, that the Holy Spirit reveals to men, women, and children the mystery. The mystery. You heard uh, 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 Corps Sergeant Major Wayne read all about that. The mystery. What is this mystery that we hear about? What is this secret? What is this wisdom that the world doesn't know, that followers of Jesus Christ know. And here it is. Paul explains that this mystery has been hidden and destined for the world since time began. But so many different people miss it. They miss what? They miss the gospel message. They miss the gospel that Jesus Christ is our salvation. That salvation is needed from sin And that the Jesus Christ that made the atonement, that he did it once for the entire world. And that we will never need to die, but believe in him. Abandon everything else, become vulnerable, and follow him. The mystery of the gospel is in one word. The mystery is, one word, the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. And we cannot understand this. We cannot understand this unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to it. We just don't get it. That's why so many different people miss it because the Holy Spirit doesn't have control of their life yet. That's why so many people don't understand what in the world this is all about. That's why it's a mystery because the Holy Spirit hasn't revealed it to them yet. Almost like the uh, Abbott and Costello routine. Who's on first? The poor guy's just trying to understand what baseball player is playing first base and the guy's talking a whole other language. Who's on first? That's what I'm asking you. Well, who's on first? I'm not going to do all that. That's, I'll get confused. The poor guy's twisted into knots just trying to figure out that very basic question trying to figure out 
every baseball player's name. Or how about uh, the little orphan Annie decoder ring? You know, without it, all those numbers, all those letters don't make any sense. But until you have that ring and can dial it just right and write down the secret code, suddenly the message makes sense. Without the Holy Spirit, the mystery that the gospel, the mystery is that the gospel cannot make sense to us. But when the Holy Spirit comes, the mystery is made known to us that we understand the gospel. We understand Jesus. We understand the sacrifice that was needed for me. And we understand God's love for the very first time. More than that, we recognize that it's personal. It's for us. And our hearts are warmed. Not by our own doing, but by the Holy Spirit's presence. And He makes redemption for us possible. He makes it possible for things to be put right that was so far from right. A real quick theology lesson here, friends. If, if we can't know Jesus without the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we can't have the Holy Spirit in our lives without inviting Him in, how, how does that happen? How does that happen? God doesn't force His Holy Spirit on us. God doesn't force you to be in a relationship with Him. You know that, right? That God doesn't demand that of you. God asks that of you because that is what true love really is. It's volunteering to love and to serve God. God wants that. So if we don't invite Him in, we're like lost sheep. We, we don't know what we don't know. Not knowing or caring about a God that loves us so much that's in His Son. Then how does the Holy Spirit enter our lives? Is it luck? Is it a chance? Is it a drawing? Who receives them and who doesn't? Some might say that God's plan is that, that He elects certain folks whom He chooses and gives gives them the Holy Spirit to understand the gospel and to be saved. But we believe, friends, that everyone, that everyone is God's plan. That this gift is for the entire world. Everyone. So if we cannot know the gospel without the Holy Spirit, we believe that God gives us a very incredible, special gift. He gives a special measure of His Holy Spirit just enough, just enough that we feel it, that, that something happens inside of us, that we can respond to God, that we're suddenly awake to a need for God. He allows the Holy Spirit just a little spot in your life, and it's up to you, it's up to me to respond to that. It's kind of similar to learning a guitar lick. You know, you hear the, the song and suddenly you just come up with a guitar lick. You know, the wow, 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 wow. And out of nowhere, it just comes to you. And suddenly, when the Holy, when something happens and suddenly you hear this song on the radio that has your favorite guitar lick that you thought you made up. But it was a gift all along. 
That's the Holy Spirit that he gives you just a little bit and suddenly you realize it's your favorite song in the world. A song that you've been missing for the entire uh, life that you've been living. God gave a little gift, room for his Holy Spirit to work in your life until you open the rest of the door to your heart. The rest of your, the door of your heart to him. Until you want to learn the rest of the song. Until you want to hear what comes next. He doesn't make the decision for you. He wants your love back. He wants you to have that choice. That's true love. A Savior that doesn't force Himself on us. A Savior that instead asks for us to serve Him willingly and joyfully. So Paul's example and his admission that the wisdom of this age or the the rulers of this age in verse 6 is nothing, nothing compared to the higher authority, the true and living God. That everything else, he'd shred up, he'd throw it in the fire, everything is rubbish compared to the knowledge of the true and living God. How do we know if we have the Holy Spirit in our lives? Well, we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit displayed in our lives. These kinds of things are displayed in in verses like verse 11. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. We begin to know the thoughts of God. We see the world through that different paradigm, that different lens, that shift that takes place in our life. We understand the economy of the kingdom of God. We understand that the widow's two little coins that equal a half a penny are more valuable to God than the Pharisee's riches that he threw in and had the trumpets play and had the horns blast and announced how awesome he was. We understand from God's point of view that to serve is the greatest. That the widow's offering was more than the Pharisee's. The second thing, we understand what God has truly given us. In verse 12, we clearly understand that our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption, our gifts from God through Jesus Christ. The gift from God. We recognize that our blessings our blessings and our blessed state is a gift from God. Not of our own doing, but a gift given from God. And we are blessed people. Thirdly, we begin to understand more spiritual concepts. Things that we were blind to, suddenly now we understand. Previously, we could not know them. Things like our need for redemption. Things like atonement. Things like making our lives into living sacrifices for Him each and every day. What does that mean for me, God? We suddenly begin to understand that when the Holy Spirit is in our lives. Fourthly, we understand that the greatest wisdom comes from above. We desire not to learn all the things of the world, but we want to be known as men or women after God's own heart. That becomes our mission. That becomes our, uh, our goal, is to be a man or woman that's so, so consistently following God, so 
so purposefully taking anything and everything out of our lives that doesn't reflect God. And we want all of those things to be thrown out. And we just want to be solely devoted as a man or a woman after God's own heart. The Holy Spirit in our lives makes that kind of a difference, makes that kind of a change in our life. And finally, we don't care who's with us. We don't care who's not with us. We don't care who's against us. But we have that sole purpose, that prize worth reaching for, the race worth running, the song worth singing. And we love it. We have the mind of Christ, a life fully devoted to Him. We're going to close and I invite Matt to come up. But God has given us an incredible gift in the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised as He was about to leave that He was going to send a helper. And what a helper that the Holy Spirit has been. Helping us to know and understand the Gospel. Helping us to come to God even in our brokenness. Helping us to understand who God is making it possible to approach God at all. So brothers and sisters, do you know the mystery? Do you know the gospel? I have no doubt, no doubt that God has gifted you just as he has each and every one of us uh, who, are, who, are, uh, who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. He's given you that that gift of that little, that little taste so that you can know. And all you have to do is open that door. Believers, those of you who claim to be followers, have you forgotten the, the might and the power that the living God living in you has? The Holy Spirit is working in your life. Dear ones, do you see the marks of the Holy Spirit living in your life, growing closer, experiencing a deeper friendship, a, 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 a joy, a, a learning, a patience? A, do we realize how blessed we are that we have been redeemed by our Savior? Friends, some of you may want to ask uh, during this time of prayer, to respond to the Holy Spirit working in your life. Come, pray for power. Some may acknowledge that we seem lost, that we feel like we're lost or we don't understand. In need of a Savior, come, He's here. Some may want to pray a prayer of just kindling the fire of the Holy Spirit in their lives right now. Stoking the flame. This is holiness. This is normal. This is good to want to respond to the Holy Spirit. To keep coming. Keep coming to God. Wanting to be closer. Wanting to be known as a man or woman after God's own heart. This place of prayer is for each and every one of us. Whether you consider yourself a sinner, whether you consider yourself a saint, we all have a need for the Holy Spirit.
Father, I thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Father, as we respond to you now, Lord, speak to us. In your name, Jesus. Amen.